I uh, want to give you a little bit of the, the evolution of this class, and uh, then I'm going to take about probably 10, 15 minutes, and then I'm going to pass it off to Pastor Harry Peterson. And uh, I've got a few handouts, and I know Pastor Harry does as well. And uh, um, I, I grew up in an ultra-Pentecostal holiness setting. Okay, uh, I can remember when I preached my first sermon, and uh, I actually had like one of those steno pads, you know, and I had written down notes, and I thought, of course, that I had enough material to preach for at least, you know, half hour, 40 minutes. I think I might have made it eight minutes, you know. Um, and uh, uh, at that point in time, I never will forget, one of the dear saints came up after that, and some of you will remember this mindset. You know, she said, John, that was really good, and someday you won't need those notes notes and that was her way of saying that notes were like not really spiritual you know notes were not really you know you just don't need those if you're really anointed you you don't need those and uh, and I never will forget that you know it's a dear lady sweet lady and so forth well now fast forward um, the clock Bible college and so forth I, I I don't know who I would have called as my, my preaching mentors. Uh, I know some of you probably have some preaching mentors that you may listen to and so forth. Uh, I looked more at pastoral mentors uh, and probably leader mentors and so forth. We're too loud. We're too yeah, oh, we're too loud. But uh, I look for so I, I don't know that I really had a preaching mentor. So I developed I developed a, kind of a, a style, uh, an approach that I was pretty topical in my approach. I was pretty thematic in my approach. Uh, And that served me well, and I'll tell you why it served me well. Um, First of all, and uh, again, I'm going to distribute, here here is what I would call uh, my last two or three years preaching calendars. Um, And I don't know what your style, your methodology is, but again, thinking topical, thematic, uh, I was able to develop a preaching calendar, you know, around some of the things going on in the church, uh, special days and so forth. And so thematic, topical preaching served that very, very well. And it was very typical for me, very typical for me uh, when I pastored, and I still do this, um, I would try probably in October, November uh, of the year, I, I would try to get away for a couple of days. And my reason for getting away was really just to to basically kind of quiz God and say, God, you know, this is what I've been preaching, ministering on the last year. You know, what what would you like me to maybe highlight this next year? You know, and I literally would. I would take some of my preaching calendars and I'd look at them and, okay, John, you focused on this, focused on this and so forth. Well, and I would try to be sensitive to the Spirit. And with that, I would try to be sensitive to where my congregation was at. You know, what are some of the things they're going through and so forth. And uh, um, so again, I'm saying to you, for me, thematic, topical preaching served me very well. Uh, and it also afforded me the opportunity that, you know, if I knew that I was going to be doing a series, you know, in maybe July on on freedom in the Spirit or the independence of the Spirit, well, then any of the reading that I was doing, if I caught something, oh, man, that would fit really well with that or that would go well. And so I found myself, you know, even my devotional reading or my, you know, I, I was always kind of gravitating to 
Okay, that'll work, you know, and maybe an illustration, maybe something. And so I'm just telling you that for, and I've done this now, you know, 39 years, okay? I know I don't look that old, but, you know, I've done this for 39 years. And uh, so, so I was always very much thematical. Now, again, would I slide into exegetical a little bit? You know, would I slide into uh, that? Sure I would. You know, no question about it. But my main default was topical thematic preaching, okay? Now, um, some of you know that, that I had heart surgery seven weeks ago. I had open heart surgery seven weeks ago. And uh, I stand here today, my wife, even that week after, she goes, how many sessions are you doing at Synergy? Uh, do you think you're going to be able to do that? You know, She's already thinking ahead. I'm thinking, man, I feel great today, so why not in seven? You know, but uh, but um, when, I, when I went into surgery, I was so glad to hear the surgeons say things like, you know, John, I've been doing this for 23 years, but... I'm still learning. I'm still picking up new technology and so forth. You know, I went to this, you know, and I was glad to hear that those around that surgeon were saying some of the same things. You know, this guy's been doing this. He's got a lot of experience, but he's not resting on his past experience. He, he, he's really kept up with his stuff. Okay. Now, put those two things together. Um, I believe that my craft is preaching the gospel. Okay? That is my craft. Okay, yes, I'm a pastor. Yes, I'm a network leader. But my craft is preaching the gospel. Okay? And if I expect a surgeon to be honing his craft, if I expect a teacher to be honing their craft then I believe that I, as a minister of the gospel, should always be looking for ways to hone my craft. Okay? Now, so about about a year and a half ago, and Harry and I have talked several times over the last year, about a year and a half ago, uh, I don't know what your reading schedule is, but I try to read about four or five books a month. Now, uh, again, um, you know, that puts me on pace about a book a week, but about a year ago, a year and a half ago, randomly, randomly, I started reading multiple books on preaching, on the craft of preaching, and uh, this position, this position, and so forth. And now we're not talking theology; we're just talking preaching, you know. And uh, over and over again, I was running head on into expository preaching. I thought these turkeys, you know what, <laughs> you know, and, and a couple times I was about ready to put the book down because you know this isn't me, you know, I don't need this, you know. But I, I just kept reading these books, and coupled with that, uh, I have several friends, a couple who are profs at Bible colleges and so forth. Just again, randomly, I'm sitting down with them, and they're telling me about, oh man, I, I I'm preaching through, and I'm like, you're preaching through what, you know? And I'm like, man, it would take me five years to preach through that book you know and uh you know i'm preaching through and i forget some of them now but one of them was like they were preaching through leviticus no not really but (laughs) you know and i'm thinking how do you do that you know and why would you want to do that you know i get bored with the subject matter after you know two or three sundays you know i can't imagine you know so i'm just telling you that i was been on this journey for like a year and a half and and so in those conversations i and this is very unpentecostal so don't take notes here and I'm going to shut the tape off but I found myself the, the last probably six months I am experimenting with expository preaching 
And again, I, I'm being prompted by the Spirit on, on those things and so forth. I preached last fall at the church I pastor, October, November. I stopped in December because of uh, Advent season and so forth. But, but I preached through the book of Jonah. Okay? And uh, it was interesting, you know, because there was one Sunday I basically got through one verse. Okay? And, and it, you know, it's just... So right now, beginning this year, I began preaching through Philippians. Okay, now I was out of the pulpit for four weeks because of my surgery and so forth. Uh, but you know, the first Sunday I spent the first Sunday on grace and peace to you, you know, and it's very not topical. Okay, and I don't know how long I'm going to stay in this vein. But this has been a journey for me, okay? And so in talking with Harry and so forth, um, Harry is an expository, exegetical preacher, okay? And I think you've done that probably all of your ministry or most of your ministry. And I've talked to several, and some of you, even as I say that, you can think of names in our fellowship in Ohio. Oh, yeah, they're they're expository preacher. And I'm just telling you, for me, this is a new journey for me. Um, the other thing that I would say to you is that I thought in my brain, because I wasn't wired that way, expository preaching, that, that's just hard work. Yeah, I, I've got to be honest with you, okay? And, 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 and I, I'm lazy, okay? I'm lazy, okay? Um, and uh, I am full-time at the network, and most of you know that that full-time means more than full-time. Uh, and I'm pastor of church, Okay? So when I thought about this journey of, I thought, I don't have time. I really don't have time. Now, for me right now, it has been more work. Not because it's harder, but because I'm stepping out of my lane. Okay? I'm stepping out of my lane. But I'm finding that that it is getting easier. Easier. Now, I don't know how long I'm going to be in Philippians. But... I'm ready to be there for several months if I need to be. Okay, uh, now I'll probably take a break. Palm Sunday, Easter, I'll probably step away and be thematic. You know, on those. You know, if I, we have a, a holiday like that, I'll probably step away. We have a missionary that comes in and so forth. But um, the other advantage for us, and I'll say me, is right now in the setting that I pastor, our Wednesday night is a review of the Sunday morning message. Okay, so whatever is preached on on Sunday, we bring that to the Wednesday night, and we just have a discussion. We just we ask some I'll prepare questions. Hey, I was saying this Sunday morning, and this is where I, where do where do your thoughts go when you hear that, or when Paul says that, or whatever. So our Wednesday night very much, and for me, the side benefit of this is I feel like it might be better for the people in my church. To focus in on one truth a week, or one passage a week, than to hear one thing on Sunday morning, something else on Wednesday night, maybe something else in their care group, and they're getting all this smattering of stuff. Well, I would rather dig a little deeper around that one truth. Now, uh, since we've begun this process, uh, we have probably about 70 on Sunday morning at the church. Uh, This last Wednesday night, I had 27 adults. So they must be liking it too. You know, they must be liking it too because, again, it's just a discussion. So for me... John, did you have a name that you called that on Wednesday? What you, I wanted to... 
you're reflecting on Sunday's message. Do you call it something? Well, for us, we call the group, the adult connection group, but it's pulpit-based. So, but I mean, you're saying, are you calling this season or that you're doing that, um, reflecting on Sunday? You know, oh, just, it's it's just pulpit-based. They know that it's pulp, it's, it's pulpit-based in that what we talked about Sunday is going to be what we talk. So our Bible study is pulpit-based. Pulpit-based. And uh, I, I entitled Philippians, uh, you know, Everyday Christianity. Okay? And that's another challenge I have with expository preaching is because, you know, it's not like the, the PowerPoints and things like that. You know, you, you don't have a thematic. You don't have a topic, you know. You, you've got to be a little more creative with the PowerPoints and all the techno and stuff. But, but I'm saying to you that this journey of mine, number one, is I feel like there's times that as a fellowship we focus on leadership we focus on some other skills. And for me, I don't want us to forget that we are preachers of the gospel. And that we, just as much as honing our leadership skills and honing our pastoral skills or whatever, I feel the need to keep it in front of us that we're preachers. Let's improve our preaching. Let's improve our preaching. Now again, my venue of listening has changed because now I'm listening to people who are expository preachers. You understand what I'm saying? My podcast list has changed over the last year because now I'm, I'm listening to, okay, this guy, Pastor Harry's given me several references in that. Uh, Shane Johnson, who is a uh, prophet Malone, he's, he's given me several. Uh, you know, Josh Williford, uh, you know, is an expository preacher. These are some random conversations that I was having, like, what's going on here? These guys are ganging up on me, you know. And probably I'm a heretic right now just by talking like this. But I'm taking my journey that led to this class. And uh, so I'm going to turn it to Harry. He's going to focus in on expository preaching and then we're hoping to leave some time at the end for Q&A some questions maybe on topical thematic some questions on expository so that you guys can maybe just quiz us a little bit so Harry I think I need to give you this you don't want this I know but well my name is Harry Peterson and uh, I always like to tell people I pastor the largest and fastest growing assembly guy church in all the city of Ohio because we're the only Assembly God Church in Sydney, Ohio, but it's so much cooler to say it that way. Um, and uh, so I want to thank Pastor John for letting me uh, do this. I'm going to try and move back so you guys can see the, the board. Um, yeah, I, I've been at, we just celebrated our uh, 16th, or this will be our 16th year at Cornerstone uh, in Sydney. We planted a church. We just hit our three-year anniversary for Cornerstone Piqua, about 17 miles away. And it has actually now, after three years, become a financially independent church from us. And, and so excited just to see God do some things. And this is just one of my favorite topics because I, too, like Pastor John, I grew up in, in the hyper-charismatic, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, background, that's my background, um, if you guys remember all the PTL stuff and the Robert Tilton, I went to, I remember visiting his church when I was in, in Bible college, you know, that kind of stuff, and remember the Peter Popoff crazies, anyhow, all that led me to realize, um, again, why Paul wrote, I mean, I saw firsthand why he wrote in Galatians, um, you know, oh, excuse me, uh, one, what he wrote, but, um, yeah, I saw Josh Williford yesterday, and he mentioned a very important thing. He said, he gave this quote that I said, hey, I have that book with me, but I didn't put it in my thing, so I'm going to read it to you. It says, when a, um, 
Expositional preaching is not so much about how a preacher says what he says, but how a preacher decides what to say. It has to be marked by biblical content. When a preacher exhorts a congregation on the topic of his choosing, using biblical text only to back up his point, he will never preach more than what he already knows. And so expositional preaching requires more. It, it, it means you have to, that aims to make the point of the biblical text the point of the sermon. And that is very true. And that's why I, I do that. Especially in this, in a junior, and again, I, I, Pastor John's are very gracious because, I mean, I, I've only been in ministry probably 20 some years, full time for the last 20 some between youth ministry and then taking this church. Um, but it seems like th- there's a shift, and, and we're in this mode of, you know, wanting to keep people happy, keep them busy, make them buy into stuff. And, and, and that kind of bothers me. I was t- talking to a friend of mine. He got released from a, a ministry position. He wasn't the lead pastor, but the lead pastor had to resign. And so he lost his job because of that as the church transitions. And, and he told me something just a couple weeks ago that astounded me as I was preparing this. He said, the pastor used to send his message to the associate pastor and, on Friday and say, I need you to insert some scripture in here. That goes along with what I want to say. That, saints, that is not the way to preach. Do not do that. Do not have your idea, your thoughts, and then say, I'm going to insert some scripture here. Because to me, that, that is just, that's, if you want it to fit what you want to say, then you're doing something wrong. And um, there's a really great quote here uh, from David Helm. Some ministers use the Bible the way drunk uses a lamppost, more for support than illumination. And we need to be careful not to become that, okay? That's a, I mean, that's a great quote because that's a terrible way to preach. To think that we know more than God does, I mean, to me, that, is, that isn't leadership, that's arrogance. I mean, seriously, it really is. And so I came to this church back in 2002 after years of volunteer ministry, youth ministry, and all that kind of stuff. And um, again, seeing what I saw, especially through the 80s and the 90s, and, and I know why Paul wrote this in Galatians, where he said, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Not that there is one, another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we are we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. And we know what Timothy says here in, uh, in 1 Timothy 5, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Is that the right? Uh... Oh, there you go. Sorry, I went, went too far. Right, and then, because Paul valued preaching, saints, he really did. He went on, he went on a missionary journey so he could preach the gospel. That was part of it. So, again, I, until I come, devote yourself to public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have. Saints, preaching is a gift from the Lord. And we need to hone that, as Pastor John said. We need to hone that. All right? Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy and the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, which what? Exhortation, preaching, teaching, reading of the scriptures. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and the teaching. Persist in this, so by doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is Paul's apostolic command to preacher Timothy, but also since I believe since the Bible is divine, it is to all preachers, okay? So Paul knows this church is having trouble. Timothy is a young man. The, elder, the deacon, the deaconesses are, are you know, giving him trouble. They're not leading the right way anyhow. They're, so he says, here's the solution, Timothy. Until I get there, here's what I want you to keep doing. Read the scripture publicly. Exhort the people and what was said and what you just read and teach. That's what Paul's, That's the solution to the church problem. And I'm going to tell you what, that's the solution to a lot of our church problems is just doing that. Prioritize preaching the scriptures. And I love how Paul says, 
practice or, or do public reading of Scripture. And what has changed for me, and it almost seems liturgical, but it's not, is, is before I step in the pulpit, I now have one or two readings. Whatever my, if I'm reading from the Old Testament, I'm going to have some New Testament readings that are, are basically that have drawn from the Old Testament. Or if I'm preaching from the New Testament, I'm having them read something where that it's getting its what it's drawing from because that is what that is what the New Testament is built on is the Old Testament scriptures. You just see constant references and plenty of Bibles and things would show you that. Look at those references, see how they how they relate, and that will help you keep the scripture in context too. But um, so I have that now. Have before I speak, and the reason I do that again, this is. Let God speak before you ever start speaking. Let God's Word speak first. Let it do something in the heart of people so they can receive what you're about to say. And that's and if we believe what Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to first the Jew and also the Greek. So if you really believe that, I mean, it, it'll show in how much you, get, you give to God's Word. I'm serious. <laughs> Are you going to give one verse? And then again, not that there's anything wrong with that. I understand when you do expositional preaching, but some people don't do that. They take a verse and then they kind of they want to read it and then go off on whatever subject they were going to talk about. So, I mean, if you think your words are more important than God's words, then you really have a, a, a complex. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Um, all right, so we live in this culture that, that is, I think, trying to infect the church by telling us that God's, you know, the revelation that God has of himself through the word is insufficient. And it's not. I mean, it, it isn't. His word tells us that. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So we're called, saints, to preach and to teach what to believe and how to live. That's what we're called as pastors. That is our calling. That's what we're supposed to do. Teach and preach what to believe and how to live. And that can't happen. It cannot be taken lightly. And it shouldn't be given second place in the church setting. It is the primary thing that we're supposed to do. It really is. And I think the best way we can do that, and again, not the only way, because I agree with Pastor John. We're going to have you know holidays and things like that pop up. But the, the primary way is through the exposition of Scripture. And the word exposition simply means a setting forth. It's an explanation of this is what it says. It's, it's a form of preaching that details the meaning of the particular text. You're looking at it and saying this is what it means in its historical context. It explains what the Bible means by what the Bible says. This is what it means because this is what it says. And this is what it says because this is what it means by that. So exegesis is a technical and grammatical exposition. And what it means is carefully drawing out of, out of the text the exact meaning of the passage in its original context. Because again, a lot of things were written to you know uh, uh, the Israelites, you know, to the Jews. They're going through something. There's there's a reason why you know God is you know He's in a tent, He's in a tabernacle. There's a reason it's written in a certain way. We need to understand that. So again, expositional preaching involves explaining what the Bible says to a contemporary audience. Oh, did I get that right? I'm, I'm I don't want to miss any of the. Is that where I need to be? Oh, okay. Expositional preaching at it. Um, that is simplest is preaching that is focused on explaining the meaning of Scripture in its historical and grammatical context. And it involves explaining what the Bible says to this very contemporary audience who probably has no idea what the cultural context is. That's our role to try to teach them and explain to them this is the context of which it was written. They're unfamiliar with it, so we teach them that. So the word exposition is the explanation of Scripture that's based on diligent study and careful exegesis of the passage. Looking at it, saying, okay, this is what it meant there. So the primary call of a pastor or a preacher, as we see in Second Timothy, again, is preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, 
exhort with all long suffering and teaching. All right. So expositional preaching is really important to those that believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture, which simply means that we believe the Scriptures are the very Word of God. And I'm assuming if you're here, you believe that. God's divinely inspired Word. And that means we have to proclaim that and explain it in the context of which He said it. Not how we would like it to me. None of this, well, this is what it means to me. That doesn't cut it if you're an expositional preacher. Now, if you believe that as far as it's the Word of God, and if you have that card in your pocket, I'm assuming you do if you got it from the AG. And if you don't believe that, because you signed a paper saying you did, and if you don't, then please throw in that basket on your way out and resign your church, because it's the Word of God, okay? Second Timothy says this. Um... That should be enough for us. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So expositional preaching, saints, helps us understand the importance of, of knowing what the Bible says and what it means by what it says. And that's the goal of preaching, okay? So again, if we don't understand the Bible, we can't follow it, nor can we lead people how to follow it. We, if we don't understand it ourselves. So the goal of expositional preaching is to declare precisely what a passage of Scripture says. So the, the sermon outline of an expository sermon is, is going to, you know, gotten its main points from the Bible. Its subpoints are going to be from the Bible, directly from the text of Scripture, and, and we're just going to ex- explain what this means and, and why this is put together like that. And I'll show you down the road how that is, it's actually shown like that in Scripture. All right, real quick here. Um, there are two goals in ex- expositional preaching. First, to discover and explain the original historic and grammatical meaning of the passage. Or just basically, this is what God intended to say. That's what, this is what God intended to say to these people. And that's a good thing. This is what He meant to say to these people. It's the, this divinely inspired message that God had for the original audience. And then secondly, which is closely related, to help the congregation apply to their lives that principle. How can we take that principle that was spoken to these people and how does it apply to us today? And that gets into that, that connecting with the, with the congregation, you know, with, with the people you're talking to. What are the truths revealed to them that apply to us? And so, you know, some discount the ability of expositional preaching. They say, well, that doesn't really meet the needs of, of the churchgoers today. And here's a quote from somebody, and so forgive me if you don't like it, I'm very passive-aggressive, but um, I'm just saying, this is what he said, alright? Guys like Guys that preach verse by verse through books of the Bible, that is just cheating. It's cheating because that would be easy. First of all, that isn't how you grow people. No one in Scripture modeled that. There's not one example of that. And I won't give you his name, but it's a guy I don't like. And I didn't like him before he said that, and I don't like him now. Anyhow, uh, but there's not one chapter of the Bible, saints, that describes expositional preaching, or thematic preaching, or topical preaching. Or narrative preaching. There's not one example that you're going to find a chapter. There's no first and second homiletics in the Bible, okay? So as you study, we see that the Bible really is saturated, though, with Scripture. And you look at the New Testament, they are constantly quoting Old Testament verses. That is what the foundation of the New Testament is, because Jesus said, all these things speak of me. I mean, that's what he always told me. Have you not read? I mean, he would chastise the scribes and Pharisees. Did you not read? Have you not read these? You've read these things. You don't really... That speaks to me. And then on the road to Emmaus. Hey, these things, he opened up the law and, and the book of Moses. And this is what he does. So, again, we have to understand that. The, the, um, the New Testament writers, saints, they have absolutely just... this By the way of the Holy Spirit, 850 times you can read in the, in the New Testament where they're just drawing from the Old Testament to make their case, to, to let them see who Christ really is. And it's, all, and it's expositional. It really is. Jesus discusses doctrine from the Old Testament with the scholars at the age of 12. He's opening up the Scriptures saying, hey, look at this, and, and he's talking to them. 
He, he defeats Satan by, you know, Satan by reciting scriptures. Jesus contends with the Pharisees over the scriptures. And we see that the Sermon on the Mount, the most amazing sermon ever preached. Listen, that, that is just an outline. Listen, that was a huge sermon, and it was an Old Testament expositional scripture, scriptural sermon is what he did there. If you think that was the whole sermon, then you don't understand scripture. That was just an outline of what Jesus was preaching uh, in, in Matthew there, what, 5 through 7, whatever. That's, that's a lot there, saints. So again, it's an exegetical outline of the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments. So what uh, Matthew provided was not a word-for-word account when Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. Same thing for Peter's sermon in Acts 2 and for Stephen's sermon in Acts 7. So unless you believe those are word-for-word, four-minute-long sermons, again, those were actual exegetical outlines that were very ambitious in the amount of Scripture they referenced. So that's why I I think the case is made for exegetical preaching. So um, let's see here. To say something like it's cheating overlooks the fact of what the Bible says of itself, and that is that the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what the Word of God does. That's what the Word of God does. Not your personality. The Word of God does that. So again, you will never be more creative than the Word of God is powerful, even all by itself. Just saying, none of us will be more creative than the Word of God is powerful. Just remember that. The power to transform a life is found only when the Word of God is used and then the Holy Spirit applies that to a person's heart and to their mind and to their soul. But according to the other guy, why should preachers check the Greek and Hebrew and try to grasp the etymology of words and phrases? That just means the origin of the words and the way it was used and has it changed over time. And if so, this is how it's changed. So again, is that really cheating? Is it really cheating to try and keep verses within scriptural context? cross-referencing the Old Testament, the New Testament, studying commentaries of our forefathers and, and, and you know, just, just the, the thinkers and the, and, the, and the great preachers of the past. Is that really cheating to try and do a verse and, and look at everything in context, whether it be a verse or a chapter? Or a book? I don't think so. If he says that would be crazy, the only one crazy is him. Alright? So, and again, don't get me wrong. A great presentation is good. I think great musicians and lights and motions and backgrounds, okay, that's all fine and dandy. And even your thought on a topic, oh, i got a great idea. You know what? It might actually be good, but what it will never be is life-changing. Because only the Word of God is life-changing. And and I'm sorry, but your gospel according to Disney is not going to cut it. It isn't. So now, while there is a place for topical preaching... It needs to be a supplement or an expo- uh, to expositional preaching, not replace it. Again, the holidays. You know, you got a wedding, you got Father's Day, Mother's Day, Christmas, Easter. All, we understand that. I take a break too. I'm going through Exodus now. In Exodus. So I did 1 through 4, and then I did 5 to 10, and now I'm doing 11 and 13. That's a good way to do Because you know what? I'm not doing every plague as, you know, this is what it means. I'm not doing that. This is just a sovereign God who can do what He wants, and He can use the weather to hell. He can do supernatural things. And it's just, it's been amazing. But you can do expositional preaching that way. Too. All right, I got to keep going here. I'm, I don't want to. Pastor John told me to take most of the time, but I did take most of the time. Sorry, getting cotton mouth here. All right, um, expositional preaching is important because when faithfully followed, saints, it results in the full counsel of God being shared. I mean, every can you imagine every service, the full counsel of God is being displayed and shared. So even difficult and controversial subjects, well, you have to address them. There's no getting around them. I remember doing Matthew, and it took a couple of years to get through Matthew, and hitting on divorce a couple of times, and paying taxes, and stuff like, why would I want to share this? But guess what? When you're doing ex- you, you got to do it, and here's why. Because when you do expositional preaching, you are like a water skier. 
You are hanging on and letting the text drive you. You are not driving the text. And look how happy she is. That's what expositional preaching will do. You will have that look on your face when you do expositional preaching. Listen, the pastor that preaches expositionally deals with the text, what it says. The God-breathed living word. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. And it, I, and I don't know... I don't want to say it's easier. I think it can be more difficult. But that's because my opinion doesn't matter. And if there's anything it does, it, it, it hurts our pride. Because, oh... You see, see, there's a questions that, that get asked here. You know, it avoids taking verses out of context, and it forces us as pastors to take, you know, tackle biblically all the, the controversial, difficult subjects. But also, man, it means we have to. You know, we, we can't downplay the importance of, of it. And, and, and saying this, you know, people say, well, it limits the preacher's ability to present what really needs to be said to my congregation. I, I, I don't think so. I think I think these critics fail to realize the effectiveness of what the Word of God says about itself. And again, if you are presenting the Word of God in its full context, this is what it says about itself. So shall my word be that, be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. I just got to believe that God knows what He's doing more than I do. And I would rather depend on Him to change the hearts and lives of people rather than me. And that's why I do expositional preaching. I think it's that important. So Augustine, Augustine said this, Let us treat Scripture like Scripture like God speaking. If we believe these are His words, then why on earth would we not want our people to get as much of it as they can with it? Because let's face it, our people are probably not reading as much as we want them to read. So when they come to God's house, let them hear somebody read some Old Testament, some New Testament. You don't have to, be, you don't have to wear robes and a sachet, although they are slimming and I'm thinking about it. But I'm just saying, you don't have to do that. I'm just saying, let them find a couple of you know, scriptures. that re- Let God speak first, all right, before you do. And if we lack that conviction that this is God's word, then what motivation is there for us to be like the Bereans? And look what was said about the Bereans. These were Jews more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So when you hear something on TV, which uh, there's no such thing as Christian TV, I don't think. But anyhow, if, if you hear that kind of stuff, examine the scriptures to really see if it's so. Again, standing on the authority of scripture, the preacher declares a truth received from the Lord. Not a message invented. Well, this is what I think they need to hear. All right, so the teaching office, the preaching office, saints, we are proclaiming God's word. This is not an advisory role based on our expertise or, or what we've, you know, what we've experienced. This is we have a prophetic function, whereas God is speaking to His people. Think about that. The role of a pastor, we have a prophetic function to speak to God's people on God's behalf. So let me just say this. You will never have a more authoritative prophetic voice. I think I changed it. A more accurate, authoritative prophetic voice as when you are rightly proclaiming the message of Christ Jesus through His Word. You want to you have a prophetic voice? Preach the Word. You want to have an accurate prophetic voice? Preach the Word. You want to have an authoritative prophetic word? Preach the Word. And let God speak. That's why we do it. So churches today produce surveys to measure expectation for worship. Would you like more music? What kind of music? How about drama? Is our pastor, preacher, is, is he creating enough creative uh, stuff to get you in? And, and like, you know what? Here's the questions expositors have to ask. Will I obey the Word of God? How does my thinking have to be realigned by Scripture? How must our behavior change in order to line up with God's Word? Those are the questions you have to ask when you preach expositionally. Because those questions reveal a true, authentic submission to the authority of God and a reverence for His Word. Again, not people's preferences. Again, only God can build the church. You may be able to gather a crowd. Only God will build His church.
So, number 27 here on the slide is, if you do not do exegesis, which is technical and grammatical exposition, a careful drawing out of the exact meaning of a passage in its original context, you're going to end up doing what I see all the time and it drives me nuts. You're going to do eisegesis, which is the you're imposing your interpretation into or onto the text, which is the, hey, here's my sermon, put some scriptures in there for me that back it up. Leaning against the light post. Not looking for the light from the light post, alright? And, and today I'm telling you, now I hear this thing, and I, I, we have to call anything, but nar- there's nothing but called the Jesus, which means everything becomes about us. And I'll tell you, those type of people, forgive me, they seem to be getting elevated. But anyhow, the gospel becomes so man-centered because we have to make everyone feel good and keep them happy and get them to buy in. And you know what? First Corinthians says this, For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Saints, the world wisdom will never understand God's plan of redemption because it makes no sense. How could it make any sense? Jesus' wisdom that he brought when he came is totally opposite to the world's wisdom. And when Jesus came, he brought a wisdom and knowledge of a different kind that humanity was not used to. Oh, good, it came back. Listen, Paul's words were not wisdom or power. It was foolishness. 1 Corinthians, um, yeah, 1 Corinthians one twenty one. For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So no one by worldly wisdom has ever come to know God. They just, they just haven't. But God in His wisdom, saints, has chosen to make Himself known through the cross through the gospel message, through what we preach from Genesis all the way to Revelation, you see the you can see the scarlet thread of Christ Jesus from the beginning all the way to the end. He has promised there in Genesis all the way to the end, saints. He's there. That's what we preach. And yet it seems that the world wants to use worldly tactics and, and ideas to draw people to Christ. It just doesn't make any sense to me. God will never allow Himself, saints, to be the pastime or the amusement of people that say, I'd like to know more about God, but you have to explain to me to where it makes sense because it's not going to make sense. Unless the Holy Spirit's already active in what you're saying and, and, and active in that person's life, God is not going to allow Himself to be the pastime of uh, an amusement for people that are cunning and capable. And again, this is because God knows no, owes no man anything. And we know that. He owes no man nothing. So again, when a man cries out and asks God to re- for, in repentance and turns towards Him, He saves. Our goal is just to, to preach, proclaim, and let God do the saving. So that's why Paul and we are to preach the gospel of Christ Jesus and the cross. Because it says it's the very power of God. And if you've seen the cross from God's perspective, then it makes sense. If you look at it from a human wisdom, it makes no sense. Which is what First Corinthians uh, says here. Which none of the rulers of the age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Had they known who Jesus really was. And again, we know what Jesus, he was spoken of in the Old Testament and about his crucifixion and prophesied about and that he's going to be a king that reigns. But think about it from, from the human's, uh, human wisdom standpoint. Okay, how many remember um, Prince Di- Princess Diana getting married? I'm old enough to remember all that. Man, that was a huge deal. And you know, the queen has said that she is going to step down uh, when she hits the age of 95. She's been like 65 years in power. She's going to step down. And Prince Charles will then be king. All right? I mean, and you know he is not well liked. All the Camilla thing and all that. My mom used to have People Magazine out with all this stuff on it. So, you know. Um, but I'm just saying, listen, here, here's the gospel message. The king is coming and he's going to be assassinated so he can reign. That is not human wisdom. 
Listen, the only way Prince Charles is getting in is if he assassinates his mother. Not if he gets assassinated. So it makes absolutely zero sense. And saints, you will never make it make sense. The Holy Spirit does that. So you, we just have to proclaim the word, and the Holy Spirit does a job, and he does, he does the work of regeneration, he does the work of opening our eyes, he makes us lead, lead us to repentance, and all. That's the Holy Spirit's job. So again, it, the gospel makes no sense to, to the world. And if we're preaching the cross right, it's, it's going to be foolishness. Just like, you know, it, it really will be. But the, his sheep know his voice. So, but that is what Christ did. It's unthinkable, it's unimaginable to us. But that's what Christianity is all about. It's a very strange message because it's not from this world. And the proud will never accept Jesus because they have no part in trying to find God. God found them. God's done all the work. I mean, think about it. None of us like that idea. But I have no part in what... No, you don't. You have any part in that. None whatsoever. And here's and you've all heard these things. Well, you know, God is like an elephant. And some of us are holding his trunk. Some of us are holding his ear. Some of us have his legs. Some of us have his tail. And, you know, we, we run into these people. See, here's the, here's the deal when you do expositional preaching. You can say, nope. Because when the elephant speaks and tells you exactly what it is and says, "Hey, you got my t- hey, you're on the wrong part. You don't know who I am." It doesn't matter. So that that is a, that's an irrelevant, uh, you know, idea for people to say. Well, we all have a little piece of God. No, we don't. The elephant spoke. We know exactly who he is. I'm the great I am. I'm the sovereign King of Kings, Lord of Lords. You know exactly who I am, and He gave us His word so we can proclaim that. Or the one where everyone's on a path. There's God's on the mountain, and we're on these different paths at the bottom. So you know what? Here's the problem. Not only are our legs broken, and our arms broken, and our back broken, and our necks are broken, and our heads are bashed in. And by the way, we're dead. There's no way we're getting up a mountain. So the gospel says that's why Christ comes down to us, and He only takes one path. And it's through Christ. So, again, those things are... Because we're dead. We're dead in our trespasses of sin. So, expositional preaching, it does away with all those types of thinking. And it doesn't, it doesn't even give room for them to make sense. But again, the Holy Spirit will do all that. All right, I'm going to wrap up here because Pastor John told me to take majority of time, which I have. So, I'm going to try to hurry up here. All right. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How do we reach these people? How are they going to believe in Him who they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone... Preaching. How? That's how we're going to do it. That's how we reach the lost. And if we love Jesus, I'm assuming we're here because we do. We want to see people get saved. I'm assuming that's what we want to do. Reach more people. But saints, Jesus does it. And He uses the message of the gospel to do that. Jude chapter 3 says this, Beloved, while I was diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once and all delivered to the saints. Saints, there is a faith. It's a Christian faith. It's a Jesus faith. And there's a truth from the gospel that cannot be compromised and it should not be changed or watered down in any way. And if that is true, then we as pastors, as ministers, as those that are are preaching, we have no greater mission than to preserve and to protect and preach this amazing message week after week. And how foolish is that? We're saying the same thing week after week. But we do. We should. We should be be explaining the Bible and always ending with the gospel message in there. Because I'll tell you what, I don't care how big your church is, how small it is, somebody in there is not saved. It may take them years to come to know Christ. So preach every week. So, your sermon should allow your people to see God bigger than He was before they heard your sermon. Not be more impressed with themselves when they leave. Your sermon should allow people to see God bigger than He was before they heard your sermon. Not be more impressed with themselves when they leave. And I love what Merle Onger said. No matter what, this is a long one, no matter what the length 
of the portion explained may be, if it is handled in such a way that its real and essential meaning is as it, it, as it existed in the mind of the particular biblical writer and as it exists in the light of the overall context of Scripture is made plain and applied to the present-day needs of the hearer, it may properly be said to be expository preaching. It emphatically... It is emphatically not preaching about the Bible, but preaching the Bible. What saith the Lord is the Alpha and the Omega of expository preaching. It begins in the Bible and ends in the Bible, and all that intervenes springs from the Bible. In other words, expository preaching is Bible-centered preaching. All right? And today we have churches that are more concerned with methodology or style and very careless with doctrine. And, and even worse, maybe don't teach any doctrine. Um, let me tell you something. If you can preach your message in a Jehovah Witness or a Mormon tabernacle and it not be offensive, you're not preaching the gospel. You're just not. So, we are to know it with assurance that who Jesus is, that He saved us, that Jesus created the church, that He loves the church, that He died for the church. He treasures the gospel message enough to leave it with us, and so we don't need to fall short on that. So again, and you do understand this, right? It is the work of the Holy Spirit to make the message credible to the ears of the hearer, not you. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to make the message credible to the hearers, not you. Alright? So, Mark 4, and I love this. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, and should sleep by night and rise by day. And the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first a blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Here's the deal. We are to spread good seed. And we spread good seed anyway. It doesn't matter. It's not in the... The power is in the seed, not in how you throw it. So you don't have to be the best preacher. Because I'm telling you what, there are much better preachers than me, but they will never preach a better gospel. There are much better preachers than you, but they will never preach a better gospel. The power is not in you, it's in the seed. So throw good seed. And we're all going to throw a little differently. Some of us got, you know, wimple. We're all going to be weird about it. You know? But this is throw the good seed. And again, and then lay our head down because you don't save anybody. The Holy Spirit does that. All right? So, you got to unsave family, friends. All. Just, just you know, it's not our role to make Jesus likable because it's a hard message. But it's truth that saves. So, trust God's word. Sow the true seed and lay your head down and, tr- and trust God. All right. I, I got one page. I'm done. All right. Uh, preach the full counsel of God. Let, let me hurry up here. Um, as a pastor, you will burn yourself out if you think you have to be the creative one each week in a new way and catching people with God's vision. Give a hundred times more effort into being faithful with God's word than you are trying to be creative with God's word. All right? Invest your time in the study of the background of the passage more than the background of the sets that you have on your stage. Okay? Um, and believe me, I know every preacher wrestles with a proper balance between content and connection. And it takes... And listen, I am 16 years in. I know not every message I have is a home run. I get that. But you know what? I, I really try to make sure I'm staying in context of, of everything. So, if you're a lead pastor, you should be mastering this. We just had the Winter Olympics. Those people train for years and years to do that one thing. And I like what Pastor we need to hone our craft. Amen. We really do. Because every Sunday is the Olympics for us. Well, this is what we train for, to do, to lead this message and to proclaim the message of Christ Jesus. So, again, not just historical facts and, and not just history, but keeping the text in context. So, again, we want to stay connected to the church, and, and I get that. We want to connect the text with, with the truth of the text and see how it matters for them today. But that does happen, because it's a great message. And it shouldn't be boring. It, it should, we have the greatest message in the history of the world. It's never going to be boring if we do it right. So, again, I see TV preachers that connect great with the crowds, but they have no, no content in what they say. It's also man-centered. It drives me nuts. And again, I'm telling you this. 
leave with, leave with this. Connection without content produces nothing more than an emotion-inducing pep rally and not a celebration of what Christ Jesus has done. And hey, songs are great, but they don't compare to a good sermon. And I can tell you, if you work through a, if you work through a small book, start with a small book. You don't have to do just one verse at a time. Do, do, a, do a passage or something like that. But I'm going to tell you what, you will grow as a pastor and your congregation will grow in the knowledge of God's Word. And topical preaching, saints, topical preaching is salad and bread. But expository preaching... That is the steak and potatoes. All right, I'm done. Pack over to you, Pastor John. Oh, yeah. Any questions come to mind? The challenge, that this is the challenge for us. I mean, we, I, this, I'm all over it with you. I mean, I believe that, Gary. Um, in, you know, in a young pastor, I wish I'd known this when I was younger because it was tough. A new message on Sunday morning, a new yeah. message on Sunday night, a new message on Wednesday night, and then start all over again. Yeah. And you know, you're, you're, where if you took a book and worked it through, you knew where you're going, and you can, as John had said, you, you'd be reading things and say, "That's that's going to work." Yeah. You know, I can I can I can add that add that thing uh, into it. But there's there's the, the X. All of it should be expository, but sometimes it's textual. In other words, if, if I'm speaking on something, I want to speak on a theme, it, it will still be expository, but it's textual. In other words, I'm not going through a book for that moment. I am, I'm going after a subject. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's top, yeah. And there, yeah and there is the, I, think, I think expositional preaching is going to be the foundation, or should be, for any, even a topical message is going to have a foundation in expositional, because you're taking, even if it's a theme, you're going to find the scriptures that, but you have to make sure they do connect. And that's the point. You've got to make sure they connect. Don't, don't make them connect because it's a point you want to make. Make sure they connect because they connect. And that's, and that's, the, hard, and that's the hard part, because sometimes if you really start, begin to study and you're looking at the words, say, oh, that really had nothing to do with that. That, that wasn't the, the meaning at all for that. So you don't want to do that. So you really got to be honest with the Word of God. And I'm serious, that's what's, that's what's the hardest part because it makes you realize, okay, because I know there's things I preach for that I really, that, boy, I shouldn't have said that at all because that wasn't true. That wasn't, the, that wasn't the right application of that at all. And so, again, we need to be careful with that because, again, God had an intended meaning in what He wrote. And so we need to make sure we at least explain that intended meaning. And how do we apply that today? And I'll tell you what, that would be more powerful than any idea, that creative idea we think we have. It really will be. Because it's God's word. And we're just, we're flawed humans. You know, and we're going to, we may have good intentions, but we, we're not divine. You know? What else? Mine's not a question, it's just a comment. I'm in Chi Alpha, and uh, we've done an expository preaching, and, uh, you know, going through, we've gone through Romans. Mm-hmm. Right now we're going through First uh, Thessalonians. And then my, my guy's core group, going through uh, Timothy, letters to Timothy. And so, I think I really love about doing this is that um, I notice a real lack of biblical knowledge in my students. Yeah. And so what I think a benefit is that I've just seen that they're kind of learning how to slow down and study God's Word by me modeling it to them a little bit, where I can kind of show them through what we're preaching, like, hey, listen, God's Word is deep, and guess what? It's relevant. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. So... You ever see those YouTube videos like you ask college kids about like just American history? They don't even know American history. I'll tell you what, they do not know biblical history either. And it wouldn't hurt any of us to sharpen us, ourselves up on that either. I think I have a question. Yeah. Okay, so I get this. I'm, I'm driving with this. <clears throat> Something I want to learn how to do is they have open mic nights in Mars. I'm Kyle. Um, they have open mic night. And I've heard of how people can go 
and storytell um, passages of the Bible, and essentially you're preaching at them, um, but in a way that they would take it. And so I'm trying to figure out how do I learn storytelling, and like is is that different than expository, or is there a way to be a storytelling expository? I don't know. I tell you, I took a book. I read a book on the prodigal son, and it was it was a phenomenal book, and I condensed it to one sermon. And I remember a couple of people got that was the best sermon you ever preached. And I'm like, really? Because all I did was take the main points of this, and but I mean, but they were so good. And it was like it showed me things I'd never seen in, in, in the in the story of the prodigal son, and you know the different you know the, the way lies and what it really meant to he pause and you know what it meant for the you know, to, to attach himself to someone, what that meant. And so I I, I condensed it, and I did a narrative sermon, and I got to oh, that was the best. It connected with our younger people. That was two younger people came up and said that. And so I think there's a good way to do it. Yeah, you need to find, but make sure again that you're, and read, read a bunch of different things, read a bunch of commentaries on it, and piece together something out of that. And find those biblical truths, but make sure they're truth. They're not just, you know, I like for it to, you know, you, you can't do it. Make sure it's just biblical truth. And there's a way to make it creative. I mean, God does still use us. I mean, He used human writers to write this, but inspired by the Holy Spirit. And you know what? When you're writing, again, you, you can be inspired to write also. I mean, it's not scripture, don't get me wrong, but you can be inspired to write a sermon and, and go share a, or a narrative like that. Yeah, there's a way to do that. Do you have a resource? You have a big long list, but can, do any of them come to mind of, like, they taught you how to do narrative? No. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I wish I... Yeah, but but I'm telling you, it, it does work. But I, I read, like I said, I read a book on the... I said, that is phenomenal. And it was like, well, we did, a, we did a study at our house on it, and then I just condensed everything into a message. And it was it was good. Okay, so it is possible. Yeah, it is possible. I'm a children's pastor, and we're doing our jobs right. That's exactly what we yep. do every week, and I would be happy to talk to you. And may I say something? The reason I stand here today is when I was four years old, before my parents divorced and split up, and I went through, I mean, my children's, I remember Sister Sue, and, and um, now I can't remember her name. Betty. But Betty, Sister, yeah. And, and you know what? They instilled in me the gospel of Christ Jesus, and the Salerno butter cookie, which I remember eating the ends off. But you know what? That kept me to the age of 16. They instilled the gospel. And I'm serious. I love children's ministry because of that reason. I was four years old, and I remember saying to them, someday I'm going to be a preacher with a big black Cadillac. <laughs> I drive a Prius, but anyhow... Um, at least I got the preacher part down. But yeah, it was because of children's ministry. And it was, in, yeah, so that is one of the best places to, to, to do that and to learn. In fact, I, up until last year, I would not teach Wednesday nights. I would teach a kid's class. Because I think a pastor should re- always remember how to explain the gospel to the young ones. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and my favorite story, a little five-year-old Brock came up to me and he says, Hey, pastor, can we pray for my brother? He's sick. And I said, sure. He said, okay. And he left. And he came back and he had brought a bunch of little other kids around to make a circle so we could pray. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And he thinks the pastor, he wants the pastor to pray with him and knows that, you know, he's not the guy up there. You know, that was cool. So, yeah, children's ministry is awesome. So, God bless you. All right, sorry. Any other questions? What about languages, learning the languages? Heaping, that's, God bless Google. <laughs> Seriously, because there are so many resources right now, you can even hear it in the language. You don't have to. There, there's a great. I haven't bought one yet because it's so expensive. But the Logos Bible Study material. But there's um there's one I have on here which I think is probably one of the best resources right now. It's the Blue Letter Bible online. It's got a lot. Of, you can do a lot of research there. It does a lot of Greek and on, on Wednesday nights. I pull out you know the, the Greek and Hebrew on different words and say this is its meaning and we have it do that. But yeah, these are. So, oh, I need to. Ha- would you help me hand these out? Um, thank you. Those are some resources there that I like to use. And again, always in, in the, before you ever start anything, open up different Bible transla- different Bible translations and, and read like the, the you know how they have it lined out because a lot of times you'll find great uh, sermon outlines in that thing. Just you know they'll outline the whole book for you or they have thematic you know they tell you what the theme is and all that. Read a bunch of different Bible. Things. 
things like that. Different, go everywhere. Go to Ollie's and just open up Bibles and read it. You know, take a picture and take it home or something. But do that too. <coughs> Any other questions? Oh, sorry. My situation is, is, is really strange and unique. Um, I have uh, I've never been a My ministry as pastor has been an administrator. And I've done that for over 10 years. So my calling has been to support the church, business of the church, uh, parliamentary procedures, all that kind of stuff. God bless you. My, my interest, and it has served me well in the area that I have have done, you know, because that's my calling, that's my gifting. But God has been, in the last few years, taking me in a different direction, and I don't know why He's doing it because I'm much older now than I was when I was, you know, doing all this other stuff. Served the Royal Ranger Ministry for over 35 years. But I own a Southern Gospel group. We travel all over the country. And we minister in, in all different kinds of churches. I mean, I, I may be in a United Methodist church and then in a Baptist church and a, just recently a, a Church of the Brethren and Nazarene churches and Pentecostal churches of all kinds. And the Lord has been requiring me because I've been asked by the pastors to bring a message. Hmm. And uh, I'm not used to that. So trying to hone a pre- the preaching skills, which God has never really called me to do, but yet he, now He's requiring me to do some of these things, has been difficult. Yeah, and you would probably... It would, you would have to do, because you're, you're going one time... You know, it's one shot. Yeah, and you're going to probably have to stay with topical, unless you, I mean, again, unless and again, I don't know how much time you're given. So, I mean, I usually preach about 35 to 45 minutes, and your people will get used to it. By the way, don't worry. People will, you you train your people to do that. They they will get used to it. Don't don't act like it's a big deal. 20 minutes an hour. That's it's very hard to do anything productive in that. Generally, when I go, when they book us to come in, uh, if it's in a church, we sing a dolly. We sing a. Can you get us tickets? Please. Nothing. Now go ahead. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, if I'm given, you know, probably an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and a half. To preach or to uh, do the same? Oh, okay, okay, wow. To do a concert. See, but you got a chance to, to throw some scripture in before every song. What is that song? How does that song relate to the scripture? Right. I mean, you can even do it that way. Yeah. But if a pastor gives me an hour and 15 minutes, I program and listen, and I tell him, you know, the Holy Spirit is going to. Change some things. And yeah. In fact, we'll will change the lineup of the songs, and I'm prepared to do that, you know, in, a, in an instant. But uh, and and we include the, you know, a, a prelude to the to the song that we're going to sing. And and I tell the congregation right up front, you know, we're not here to entertain you. We're here to bring the message. Yeah. And there's nothing more important than the Word of God. Yeah. No matter what what we right. do today, you know, the Word is the most important thing. Yeah. But uh, I guess what what's, what I'm having problems with, and I'll, I'll do a message, and I'll try and condense it down to 10 minutes. Yeah, well, you have to in that setting. You know, in a situation yeah. like that. And, uh, but I'm, I'm struggling with honing that because I'm not used to doing that. Yeah. 
I'm not. Well, that was because of what, what. I'm not accustomed to doing that. Yeah. I'm accustomed to ministering. Bye, thank you. You know, through gospel music. Yeah. Well, again, that's that's a whole different thing because you, I mean you almost have to do it thematic because you you have a you have a way you can present the gospel through you know starting with some scripture and then a song that can lead from you know Genesis and go through Old Testament to New Testament. You have a neat way that you can present the gospel that way, you know, and throwing a scripture in, in there. But I don't know how you would do expository in that setting. Pastor John may have the insight on that because he is a much better singer than I am. But yeah, I would honestly for you, I would almost have to say you'd have to stay on top of it. But you can present the whole gospel because you can start, you know, with songs that apply from Genesis, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'll use the Old Testament, uh, you know, because it points. The Old Testament points to the cross. Right. And so yeah. uh, that's how I use that. But uh, and and then it either makes it more difficult because I'm speaking to. Other than assembly, right? Still the same gospel. Same gospel saves us. So, yeah. Pastor John, do you have anything to add? Anyone that's in a staff role or something of that nature is going to be challenged to quote hone their their preaching uh, craft. Uh, And I think you're going to have to be a little more creative in those roles to to be able to see that. Um, And then, at the same time, as far as expository, if I'm in a diverse setting, uh, you're just preaching the Bible, that's going to fit with that. Right. Yeah. You know, this, yeah. this is the Word of God. Right. Know? And uh, so it's kind of hard to argue with. <laughs> I'm very careful not to get on the doctrinal sure. yeah. uh, things, you know, uh, because I'm in different Sure. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, we we tell the pastor before we ever come in, uh, we are going to give, or you can give, an opportunity for right. someone to respond to the message. Sure. Yeah. Or we're not going to do it. Right. And that is one thematic that I've come across in my reading the last year on expository preaching. Every message can and should point to the cross. Yes, right. absolutely. To right. Jesus. Yeah. And I think that's one of the other challenges sometimes is there's some passages that it's, it's easier to, to bridge that than others. Yeah. And, uh, but over and over, I'm hearing that thematic that there needs to be that the points back to Jesus because from Genesis to Revelation, it's about Jesus. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for coming.